Hey, everybody, and welcome to Classical Stuff You Should Know. It's a podcast about classical things led by three fellows who are educators. Well, yeah, we're all educators. We're all educators. You you do... I educate. Fun stuff. I also educate. Yeah, you educate. That's true. Okay, so we're all educate. I just didn't know what you wow. wanted to... We also run all the like, games, all the sports, yeah. do the house competition. Yeah, you do a lot. You do a, maybe Thanks, you do guys. a lot Thanks. more yeah. than Dispenser just Dispenser of mirth. Yeah. So we, uh, we like classical... Things, the things of the classical world. If you're wondering what that is, you can go back and check out a podcast. Of what is classical? And there's another one probably we just did started, called "What start with that is one. Classical Education." So you can go check those out if you're brand new, or you can just listen to this. That's fine too. But our goal is to bring the classical world to the layperson in a way that is not alarming or terribly, terribly boring. Uh, <laughs> Good. Which sometimes we probably are that anyway. But you know, you got to take the knocks. Are with you worried about today's episode? I huh? feel like, no. no. No, I'm just trying to do a good job on the intro. Okay. I just really want to want to do a good job here. You're doing great. You're doing just great. trying my best, you guys. Good. Okay. So today we've got some stuff from Graham Donaldson. Well, that I mean that raises a great question, AJ, and that is like, how that do you define what good... is an intro? Yeah. How do you define a good intro? How do you define a podcast? I bet Aristotle has an answer to that question. <laughs> oh man, that um, sounds like such so, a boring conversation. Woo! No, no. <laughs> so this came up in class the other day where. We were taught. We were doing a review for the final English exam, and I said something. I can't remember what it was, and I said, "How do you how do you define blank?" I can't remember what the definition was. And students said, "You just go to dictionary.com." Mm. And I was like, "Okay, how did dictionary.com do it?" And students were like, "Uh, I don't know. They probably go to like one of them paper dictionaries." And I was like, "Okay." <laughs> and I said, "What? How, how do the paper dictionaries do it?" And then the students. So basically, it was just this infinite regress of appeals to authority, as far as the students were concerned. And then this raises a, just an interesting question. How do we come up and define things? How do we uh, uh, say what is, is? Um, I mean, this is, this is an old philosophical question. This is the question of like metaphysics, definition. If you go back and listen to one of our old podcasts on the com- common, topics. common topics, definition is one of them. So with the common topics, it is, that was a very practical podcast. If you were trying to come up with something to say... One of the ways that you can come up of things to say about something is to talk about what it is, its definition. So if you are giving a best man speech um, at uh, Thomas Magby's wedding, mm-hmm. if we could go back in time to yep. that day that he married Sarah, yep. and we had to give the best man speech, we could say, uh, if we were trying to come up with things to say about Thomas, we could define him. Well, Thomas is a man. Mm-hmm. Thomas is a man who loves... And then we could just, you know, think of all the things that Thomas math? loves. Love? Thomas loves math. Flippin' loves math. Anyway, so definition. You can go back and listen to that one. But today we're going to talk a little bit about how Aristotle um, defined definition. He, so these are his famous four causes. Um, so, uh, if we, yeah, so if we're going to talk about definition, Aristotle has four causes. So... Before we get to the four causes, if we're going to define something, we can do something that's called like a nominal definition. If a little kid, uh, or well, if you're taking a little kid by the hand, you're walking through the zoo, you can say, look at that. That's a bird. The kid looks at it. It's a bird. See that over there? That's a bird. That's a bird. That's a bird. If you point to a bird and say, that's a bird, that's a nominal definition. That sparrow is a bird. That pelican is a bird. So that defining ostrich by is a bird. example. Yeah. So, so this like, is what's just, a car? And I'll be like, mm-hmm. that Volvo, that's a car. Yeah. So this is a connotative definition. It's not complete by any stretch of the imagination, but it is one way that we learn and one way that we that we define things. Um, now, a smart or precocious young child would look at an ostrich and look at a sparrow and be like, they're different. Dim both birds yeah. and be like, yes, they are. 
Um, Clearly, it's the beak. Yeah, it's, it's the, the beak that makes a difference. Itty bitty wangs. Hmm. Um, there's another word. That's just, yeah, the little wings. Um, uh, uh, the other way that you can define is etymological. So you can look at what makes up a word. So, for example, what is a sophomore? Well, we can look at the two words that make up the word sophomore to define what a sophomore is. They're a little squishier than they were last year. They're soft. Sophomore. No, no. The two soft. words, the two words that, that make up sophomore are sophos, meaning wise, and moron, meaning moron. <laughs> They're so, a smart dummy. They are a smart dummy. Please, that is, is that really what that it is? That is really oh, what yeah. it is. A sophomore okay. is a smart dummy. So isn't that still kind of a... Uh, so teaching, teaching logic, we say there are three different ways to define things. Mm-hmm. By example, which mm-hmm. is your first one, sounds like the nominal is that. Uh, by synonym, mm-hmm. so saying... What something is like. Yeah, well, giving another word for it mm-hmm. that they already know. And then the last one is g- giving its genus, and then it's different from other things within that genus. So that that thing, it is a wise fool, mm-hmm. a sophomore, is uh, genus and difference, right? The genus is fool, mm-hmm. and then what makes it different from other things within that genus is that it's a wiser one. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It's not as dumb as the other fools. <laughs> so like right. saying, uh, so like uh, golf shoes, mm-hmm. you'd say they are sports sneakers with spikes on the bottom. And mm-hmm. so sports sneakers would be their category. Spikes on the bottom would be, be their, their difference, mm-hmm. right? So genus and difference. Yeah, I think there's probably something to that. Um, uh, That's the way a lot of dictionaries do it. If you actually look, a lot mm-hmm. of it is just straight genus and difference. <laughs> But for Aristotle, those nominal definitions are not exhaustive and they are not satisfying. We need to actually get to a different way that we can talk about definition. And so for Aristotle, he posits the four causes, that there are four causes for all things, and that if we can answer the questions about these causes, we have an ability to define it and to say, and not only to define it, but to talk about things as they change. So here are the four causes. The first cause is the formal cause. And the formal cause is the pattern of, of matter, the pattern that something takes sh- a shape in. It's form. It's form. Yeah. Um, and this is the one we're going to come back to and talk more about because uh, Plato talks a lot about the forms, and we'll come back to it. So it's the formal cause, the pattern that something takes shape in. I'm just going to give you the four, then I'll give you an example, which will probably make it more concrete. Thank you. You have the material cause, uh, the thing that the thing is made out of. You have the efficient cause, um, an external agent who has created something or has given, who has married the form and the matter. So you have this mind who has married form and matter to create an object or to create the thing. And then you have the final cause, and that is why the agent does it at all. So you have Hmm. the reason why the agent has created the thing. So for example, let's talk about a table. So the table has a formal cause. Uh, or let's maybe do a house. A house is a little easier. A house has a formal cause, the blueprint. This is what the house is going to look like. This is what the matter is going to be like, smashed into and turned into to create something. Then you have the material cause. The is it boards, wood or is it concrete? The boards, the nails, the wood, the concrete, the tile. Is it a mud hut? The mud hut. Um, the uh, uh, Thatch. The yurt. <laughs> yurt is a great word. I know. It uh, sounds like I'm impressed by your knowledge of housing. Thank you. It sounds yeah, like something you. that they say when they're sick. Oh, um, yurt. Oh, man, my stomach really yurts. <laughs> <laughs> um, fun fact about houses, there is a, like, tiny house community mm-hmm. uh, uh, by this, like, wacky dude south of Austin, and he creates tiny houses mm-hmm. out of garbage. Well, not garbage, but, like, like, uh, don't, like just things that he finds. And, and he, if he, you're listening, please don't be offended that we called all your houses garbage. <laughs> no, they're not garbage. It is, you know, it's sort of a, uh, he's Sal- cooling, Salvage. Salvage. <laughs> he's doing a cool thing with, like, sustainable. Yes. Anyway, but um, 
Um, anyway, I don't know why we're talking about this. Um, then you have the efficient cause. So you have the builder. You have the person who is making the thing. He is taking the matter and he is making, bringing form to that matter to create the house. Okay. And then you have the final cause, what the house is for. Well, the house is for a home. It's for somebody to live in. It's for a family to enjoy it. If you don't think about the final cause when you're designing the house, you're going to maybe design it with staircases that don't go anywhere or um, the rooms are going to be really, really, really small and cramped and any human being that exists in there is just going to hate it it's and just hate a, you. The, the house of a thousand closets. That's right. Or that sounds horrible. horrible. Yeah, I mean, you can think of of a of a home that is designed to make living in it miserable. Well, you so then the final cause hasn't been considered. So it's too dark, or it's uh, it's too cramped, or something like that. So is this Aristotle's answer to how to answer a question of what is X? Yeah. So um, what is X? And what I can is give X? One of four answers. And then it's also how is it put together? What's it? put together of who put it together and why. What's yeah. It for? yeah. And then it's also um, helps Aristotle understand when you can talk about something changing. So for example, there's Magby who exists, but then Magby learned, then you, let's say you learn to sing opera, mm -hmm. which congrat no. congratulations, Thank you. by the I've way. I've been working for a very long um, time. But if Magby has learned to sing opera, Magby has changed, has, a, has something like, so if Magby has changed, there's mutability in the world. Sure. Has his definition changed? He is now singing Magby, mm -hmm. <laughs> and yep. is and is singing Magby somewhat fundamentally different to non-singing Magby from before. So other than being superior to other than yeah, being yeah. superior, um, the best. I'd song. say the uh, the effects, right? The things that come. Yeah, the form what, has, what has the form, that form hasn't changed. The, the material hasn't changed. changed. The efficient Why? cause hasn't changed. God no. still make Magby. Yeah, but my um, purpose. Of and singing. then the final cause has the final cause changed? I don't think the final cause has changed either. So I'm the same. I'm the uh, same. But you, but but something has changed. Oh. So then this is kind of like the funny question. What is Magby? What is Magby? Hmm. Anyway, so this this sounds. If we if we go back to the uh, the common topics, which yep. to me seem like an exhaustive way to think about anything, mm -hmm. it's it seems like some of these are very similar to the ways that we think about a subject when we're trying to think about it. Like so. The what is it made out of? Well, we do that in the subtopic, the common topic of definition. We say what subcategory is it, and what are its subcategories. So that would answer the question: What is it made out of? Mm -hmm. Like, what are its what are its pieces or its parts? So that's one of the causes. Um, and then what uh, what is its greater category? I think that would almost be the formal cause, right? Mm -hmm. What kind of thing is it? Well, it's a house. We can recognize that because of the form that it takes. Um, and then if we're talking about its efficient cause and its final cause, those are cause and effect, which are, it's the common topic of circumstance, mm -hmm. right? So the thing that caused it and then what comes from it, right? The, the final cause. And so I think, I think if we're thinking of it in terms of that, then Megby has changed slightly. His effects have changed, right? Maybe people want to leave the room when he starts singing opera. My singing Although, is beautiful. That would be an autoquatio thing because they're <laughs> not prepared they're not for beauty the beauty of yeah. Magby singing. The fact that, that the Greek word is trans, I don't know what it is, is translated to cause kind of throws us because most of us would probably, as native English speakers, would say efficient is the efficient cause is the cause, the person who made it. That's that's how it. A-I-T-I-A is the Greek A word. Asia or Atia. I have no idea. Um, so, but, but I mean, the, but the, but as far as Aristotle was concerned, talking about these four causes is talking about what a thing is. And so, I mean, but that's my point is that the same, the common topics are the same thing mm -hmm. and they actually coincide in mm -hmm. several spots. Yeah. Um, these are, except for maybe the material cause, these are all wildly controversial, oh. right? Think about, what about them. Well, think about my cup of coffee that I have sitting in front of me. Um, the, uh, the material cause is not all that 
controversial. It is, um, uh, you know, it is made out of coffee beans, and it is water is put through those ground coffee beans, to, and w- milk has been steamed. It's like all bean water and cow juice. Um, yep. The formal cause is uh, the cup of coffee. So it is. It is in a cup. Um, it is. Um, the the form is ground water or ground beans with water gone through it. That it has done that. Oh, maybe that's even more material cause. The efficient cause was our wonderful barista who made it for me. Mm-hmm. And then the final cause, and then this is a controversial one. As far as I'm concerned, the final cause, the, the telos of coffee is to give me enjoyment. Oh, but not, is not, it? Not to keep you awake. Not to keep me, or they keep me awake. Maybe the, as far as the coffee's concerned, the coffee would say, like, I am not your, I am not your <laughs> satiation. I am my own thing. Yeah. So, I mean, this is where, this is where the, four, the four causes get controversial because when we say, um, well, Man, formal, yep. formal, material, efficient, and final. I mean, Christians for uh, two thousand years have said the final cause of man is the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. That is not a universal statement that everyone adheres to. And so there have been there are just um, Aristotle said the final cause of man is happiness, mm. um, and he didn't just mean like. A lot of philosophers have said that. Yeah, he didn't yep, just right. mean like full tummy and like Netflix, but he was talking about like some sort of deep satisfaction. And we've talked about Aristotle's idea of happiness and scole and leisure right. before. Yeah. Um, but um, um, so, the, but the the claim is is that with these four questions, um, um, shoot, how has someone described it? Like the the final cause is the why. The material is the what, the formal is the like wherefore. I can't remember. There's like this. There was this. There was this like pithy little saying that my old philosophy teacher used to say, but I can't remember it. Um, but apparently, the argument is is that these four causes are. If you can answer this question, you can say what is, mm-hmm. and you can give um, definition to it. Is that the problem he's addressing? That yeah. definition is hard. And so definition is hard. And so here are four questions we can ask about everything. And if we can ask those questions about it, we can say what it is. And it's funny how, how often students run into this or just people in general. And they're like, this is what being a hero means. And I was like, well, that's what it says in the dictionary, mm. but that's not, maybe that's not a full definition or you can give your own definition. We used to have a final at the end of my ninth grade year that was the question was, who is the most heroic of all the characters we've studied this year? And they're like, what does hero mean? And I was like, you got to figure it out. And they, they would all flip straight to the dictionary, and, and they're like, mm-hmm. that's not very good. And I was like, yeah, it's not very good. You're going to have to give me a definition. But that opens you up to argument about that definition. I might take issue. If your definition of a hero is that he's super jacked and is good looking, well, there are some dudes who are super jacked and good looking who are not necessarily the greatest of men. So I might take issue with your definition. And then, you know, their whole world comes crumbling down because all of a sudden they can't trust words. And All right, AJ, run, run, the, run hero through the four causes. Okay. So what is he made out of? So uh, material. Muscles. So he's got to be a person. But if the material that composes him is is human, yeah. isn't it? Can't Typically. Can I say it's a dude? Uh, well, or, you I ever mean, read a, a story female, with a, a human hero fox or a hero yeah. pig? Uh, I guess. Lassie? Uh, yeah, Lassie. What's the... Uh, Have I offended? Charlotte's <laughs> Web? Come yeah. on. She saved that pig. Some pig. I don't remember that book. Sorry. Uh, who's the hero in Animal Farm? <laughs> I just gave is it Thomas uh, look. The, 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 the horse? The horse. Um, oh, you know, Boxer. Hero. Boxer the horse. A, he's not a hero. He kind of sits He's by. the proletariat. Yeah. Poor guy oh, became well. glue. 
me. One of my students wrote a short story where Boxer was glue that got spilled in the bottom of her backpack. It was a messed up story. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty messed up. Anyway, but Hero. All right, so... so this is so suppo- not even human. According to Aristotle, this is supposed to help us. So who <laughs> who created him? I'd say that, or why was he made? I'd say the efficient cause is that the the, no, the circum- final cause is why he's made. Cause, yeah, efficient. Well, is who so made him. the efficient the, the efficient cause is what I'm talking about. Who made him? I would say that he is a product of a time of need or dire circumstance Ooh, that requires this, this is good. his action. That was a good answer. Uh, his final cause is to, I'd say, resolve. That that hole or or societal problem that necessitates his motion, and then formal cause. Well, he is obviously someone with the capabilities necessary to solve the problem in a virtuous manner. The material, mm-hmm. uh, guts and blood and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what is Batman without Gotham? Yeah. Ooh, he's not. He's a rich dude with toys. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine? Can you imagine Batman like living in the desert by himself? <laughs> You think he'd be miserable? He, like, turns on the light by himself and then just sighs. Huh. <laughs> Wait, so the efficient cause for a hero is the, like, the context that he finds himself in? Like, that a, requires a bad city full of bad yeah, hombres. you cannot be a hero without something to okay, do. Cool. Which is strange because I think we would, uh, we'd call Gilgamesh a hero, but the thing that hmm. necessitated his motion was his own fear of death. Death, right. Right? But I, I think maybe that's something all men feared, and so he's a hero in that he confronted the greatest question of man. Which I still love, by the way, that our oldest book is a confrontation of our biggest question. Good job, Gilgamesh. Is that what makes him a hero? Like, isn't he strong and stuff? Isn't that what, like... He's strong, but he never really uses it for the betterment of man. The only thing he ever really does with that strength is he swims to the bottom of the death, the, the ocean river, mm-hmm. grabs a flower, and then loses it while he's taking a bath. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> what a guy. And mostly he just abuses his people with it. Hmm. So it sounds like he's not a hero. He's not. I think he would only be a hero in the sense that he confronts some of our deepest questions. And the the, the funny thing is, is he fails. Hmm. Um, anyway, so for me, when I was taught this first many, many, many years ago in undergrad, and then even now that I was sort of dredging it up to think about for a podcast, it is a helpful little heuristic. But I always feel like, the final cause is always the big bone of contention. So it is e- I'm looking at my camera right now. It is easy for me to think about what my, uh, it's graduation today, so I brought my camera. It's easy for me to think about what the final cause for my camera is. It is to take pictures. Take pictures. It's to, it's to make memories, yeah. if you want to put it in that way. It's to capture memories that are, capture time. Mm-hmm. What's, what is the final cause of my camera? But what is the final cause of my dog? I don't have a dog. What is the final cause of- To be a dog? Oh, dude, I know this one. To be what? a good boy. <laughs> Who's a good boy? Who's a good boy? He is. He's a good boy. Um, but is, is that it? Is like is the final cause of a dog just to be like a happy, uh, a happy helper to man? I mean, that's a great depends. question. What is the final cause of all animals? But it depends on the animal. It depends on the dog. Because some dogs are for hunting. Some dogs are for protection. Some dogs are for. But we don't say that about humans. We don't say fly. that it depends on the human being. That doesn't some humans the, are for. But doesn't it depend on the context? Like. At some level, Graham, you're for English teaching, and same for you, AJ. Isn't that true? But is it, but I, I guess that's part of a definition. Um, so we have the roles. Part of you, Graham, is to but be But that's husband. like Graham qua teacher right? as opposed to like Graham qua Graham. Yes. I think then we're ta- just talking about questions of telos and ultimate purpose, which is not a small question. Yeah. But it plays into this, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah. I mean, that's what the final cause means telos. Like that, when Aristotle, there's the four causes, they all have Greek words, and the one for te- final cause is telos. But that's the thing. If 
if we could say, okay, what our what our final cause is, well, we've got the other three pretty solidly nailed down. Mm-hmm. So if we if we in this podcast said, oh, I got the final cause, we would have just solved man, you guys. We fixed it. Which is something that we can't do, or at least we had She like, of man, glorify God and enjoy him forever. Answer well, that. then that's your final cause, right? Um, and if that's, but like, sure, we all, we all adhere to that. But those, those of us who don't believe the same things we do, sure. like that would, that would now, end in a different final cause. Now, the attitude that I come across the most in students mm-hmm. is the very thought or the idea of a final cause mm-hmm. is something that they find repulsive. Yeah. So I've done, I did this little exercise by talking about a hammer. I said, all right, the form of a hammer, you know, it needs a hard bit at the top. Um, when we think of hammer, we think of of this form, uh, um, something that is mechanically useful to hammer things. Its material is made out of whatever you're going to make a hammer out of Metal, iron rubber. and wood. Mm-hmm. I got a wood one right around um, here somewhere. Efficient cause, the person who made the hammer. So let's say I made the hammer or the hammersmith makes the hammer and then he, he you know attaches the material with the form, creates hammer. And I said, and the final cause, the purpose of that hammer is to hammer, is to hammer stuff. And my students said, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, who are, who are you, you to exactly, tell that who hammer? Who are you right. to say that the really? cause of the hammer, and then one student said, so is a rock, just a bare rock that you use to smash in nails, is that a hammer? He says, maybe the final cause of a hammer is to, like, smash dudes in the face with. Or basically it was like, who are you to say what something is for, was the attitude. And I would just, I, I didn't really know how to, um, how to combat that. Or I, I, or, or I guess my question was, I didn't really understand what the, um, the underlying fear of giving final causes to things was. I think it's, uh, I don't know, there's, there's this weird thing in man where we are both afraid of definition and cling to it, right? We are afraid of being boxed in by mm-hmm. saying this is like, would you feel comfortable if I said, Graham, you are an English teacher. That is what you are and that is all you are. And you will never be otherwise, right? You are English. Well, that's that's kind of a scary thing, but at the same time, I, I cling to my identity as an English teacher. I love it. I I like to live here in this place, and literally, AJ lives in this classroom. Yeah, there's a little hammock in the corner. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I've, I've I have slept on the floor. <laughs> Full confessions. Uh, so I don't know. Man, man runs the definition as a haven, but also fears definition as a lasting thing. But I don't think that students live as though things are undefinable or at least the final, like, otherwise they wouldn't sit in a chair because who are they mm. to tell that chair what it is or mm-hmm. what it's for? Well, they just put their bum on it. So they, they got to have some feelings about what a chair is. Like mm-hmm. if we leave everything open to having no final cause, then how do you do anything with anything? Who are you to sit in a car and tell it where to go? Well, it's a, it's a car. It's what it's made for. Taking you A to B. Can a thing be made for a certain purpose, but not necessarily used for that purpose? Sure. So that hammer example... It's for building. Mm-hmm. It can also be used for, as a weapon, as a weapon, as uh, to destroy things, to vandalize. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that even some hammers are made as weapons. Case in point, my one over. AJ by the has wall. a giant uh, hammer that's got to be six feet tall. I mean, it's it's huge. the only applicable purpose could be. It is a, a horse. war like, hammer. It's not for people. Yeah, it's big. Um, but but you would say a war hammer is made for the purpose of hammering in war. Um, Yes. So then what are we doing when we are using something for not its intended purpose? Um, We're, I mean, in improvising. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would say there's sort of a dishonoring of the thing. Um, If you are using uh, the tool for like, I remember, well, it's like in Narnia, if like you use your sword to sharpen your, sharpen your pencil, like that's sort of a dishonoring thing to the sword. Or I remember my grandpa, if you use like, um, 
if you used a, I'm trying to think of, of like, like your pocket knife to open a, a can of paint, he would be like, you don't deserve that pocket knife because <laughs> that is not what pocket knives are for. I kind of like that view of things, though. Like That, would, that you're honoring treat, them because yeah. you have a proper definition of I would, them. I would treat my stuff better that way. I mean, way. that is definitely true in the realm of ethics, that if you are using something for beyond its intended purpose with human beings, um, uh, then you are uh, unethically dealing with that person. So the realm of sexual ethics, which we don't necessarily need to get into, is probably the one that gets talked about. We have to talk about a lot in in, in our modern world. Um, if we ran, like, sex through the four causes, what are they? Um, uh, but, yeah, so I, I like that idea when you talk about stuff. Like, um, But there's, you, there's some things that don't care. Like, a rock don't care if I use it as a hammer. Sure, maybe it might be a little bit dishonoring to the rock, but... Sometimes you got a nail, you got a mm. hammer. Uh, you got because it's less made. I think than... so. I think the fact that like if somebody took the time to craft the efficient cause, someone took the time to craft a tool for you to use, and you use it in a different way. Um, and maybe maybe like that's... if you use my camera as a hammer. Mm. Well, I'm gonna break it. Yeah, first exactly. Of all. That's nice. but maybe maybe think of it this way. You I can get Fuji a hammer, sad. a three dollar hammer from Walmart that is just a piece of trash, mm. and it's probably not gonna last me through a whole job. And then I can get a well-made hammer from the 40s that has, like, a my grandpa's name graven right. into the handle that built the house that I live in. I'm going to feel much more comfortable propping the door with the, the Walmart hammer mm-hmm. than I am taking my grandfather's hammer and propping a door with it. Yeah. Right? I mean, to a certain extent, it's a tool. And it's a tool to do things but isn't it because so then, you, that's because you care about the efficient cause of that hammer and that's so much point, more than Walmart? That's so that, interesting. Yeah. Is that maybe maybe one of the reasons we care about certain things is like the attention and care that went into that object. And so it deserves more honor or less. Yeah. So then is there something, because I think, I don't know if I believe this, but I think there's an argument to say, but Hannenberg, if you propped the door open with a hammer, regardless of whether it was a cheap hammer, it's better that it's a cheap hammer than your grandfather's hammer. There's still something like, I don't know if I, I believe this, but maybe the argument would be, there's something uncivilized about propping a door open with a hammer when you should be propping a door open with something that was intended to prop a door open. Sure, but I, I think that hammer was intended to get three dollars for from Walmart, and yeah. whatever I do with that hammer is my own business. Like just because they, so the final cause of that actual care, hammer was like the whatever the, I want. was was uh, the enrichment of Walmart as opposed yes. to the the good oh, hammering man. of nails. Well, clearly it wasn't built for the good hammering of nails because right. it's a garbage mm-hmm. hammer, yeah. right? So it was the point was something else, and for that reason, it doesn't really matter what I do with it. Are we going to pick at Walmart with signs that say "Remember the Four Causes"? Let's do it. Let's go. <laughs> or like uh, like you can think of swords this way, right? If I get a decorative twenty dollar sword. And one of my that's a cheap sword, right? That's oh, that's a cheap sword. And my kid wants to go out and whack a couple of watermelons with it. Fine, right? Whatever. If I have like whack away, (laughs) yeah. If I have a finely crafted two thousand dollar sword and he wants to go and hack a couple of watermelons with it, I might, I might have a little made by master blacksmith, like made, yeah, made by like a master (laughs) blacksmith. I'm not. I'm probably not going to let him go and tool around with it, right? Josh, you don't listen to this podcast. He should. And if you do, you should call me right now and say hi. Oh, we haven't talked. You. Yeah, we, we miss you, buddy. Oh, I saw him today. So for the yeah. listeners' uh, background, Josh Josh has been a chemistry teacher here for a uh-huh. long time. He's a great friend. He's one of the hardest working men that I know. Yeah. He's fantastic. But he's because he's got a family and like two other jobs because he works all the time, never I see never him. see him. Yeah. Guy's like, he's like 
a fairy in, in that like you you always want to see them, but you can only ever catch them for a moment and then they're gone forever. And you have to clap and believe. <laughs> yeah. You have to clap and believe and you have to like be the right place at the right time right at twilight with a certain kind of dust or something. Like that's how uh-huh. I feel. So anyway, but back to this idea of of like well-made things. I love this idea um, of the thing being made for enrichment of someone not the user. Yeah, like, that's really that's a really interesting idea. That that the final cause of that cheap hammer is the enrichment of Walmart, and just to like get you through an afternoon of hammering. Yeah. Whereas the final cause of a well-made hammer is something that is going to last forever, um, means that we should value the well-made hammer because why? It is more like the ideal of hammer. I don't, like. Is that it? That's maybe. But, I don't, but that's, I don't think hammer. we're. I don't it's think we're hammer. obligated. No, and I also like as you were like, saying that, Graham. My initial an re- a reaction was like, well, there are there are also people who make expensive stuff for the purpose of it just you know, being expensive and stupid, right? Like to like to, that Porsche BlackBerry that came out a couple of years ago. True? Yeah, uh, you really can get a Lamborghini phone that's like twenty five hundred dollars. I have no interest in that. But like, it makes a <laughs> noise when you open it up. So dumb. I'm not kidding. That's really dumb. Looks but great. those things are not better because they're expensive. That's right. It's like the craft of the thing mm-hmm. is what I think we're trying to get at. Yes. And so a well made hammer passed down through mm-hmm. your family. <clears throat> Is so is so clearly for good hammering. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but I think there's also a little bit of humanity tied to that. I, I'm not I'm not sure. so concerned with dishonoring the hammer as I am dishonoring my grandfather, sure. or dishonoring yeah. the the smith who made my sword. Yep. Or so you you yes, the efficient cause is part of it as well. Whereas you don't care about dishonoring the machine that made your Walmart hammer. Yeah, I don't give a rip about that. But if some but if or like my grandpa like, built the hammer with his own hands. I'm not even trying to hit a nail with it, which is right. actually like refusing its final cause, because mm-hmm. I'm trying to bring honor to. But the that's wrong, because the hammer yeah, you is. should be you should the be hammer is for ha- hammering. the hammering is for the hammer is for hammering, and yeah. so the hammer is not happy if it's not hammering. I guess it depends why it was given, why your granddad gave it to you. Was it you know keep this in the family forever, never use this, or was it yeah make good use out of this? Because so the Magbies used to have a, a there used to be a sword in our family before. One, um, my granddad's house was broken into and it was stolen. But like oh, the purpose sad. of that sword oh. was not, yeah. The purpose of that sword was not like defend your house with this. It was this. It was this old brittle blade. It would it would break if it were if it, if it were actually used. It was for the commemoration of those before. Um, so like, was, where did it come from? Um, a war? Seriously? Yeah. I think they got stole. Probably it was like well, war. It was like a civil war sword. Remember. No, it was pre. It was pre civil war. It was old, old, old. Yep. I don't know where. What? Anyway, sorry. Anyway, if you of, are that thief and you just happen to listen the to this of podcast, Hastings? I have no idea where. It contact came, us and give it back. Fun yeah. fact: yeah. Catherine Ball is convinced that she is related to William the Conqueror Why? from 1066. Ask Catherine. Okay, she's told she's gone through the whole thing. Has to do with. I feel her. like our next classical stuff we got wrong is going to be that. No, okay. no, it ain't. No, oh, yeah. Well, maybe she's getting it wrong, but anyway, she's you know who I'm related <laughs> to? Pretty sure it's just farmers. Yeah, <laughs> Dutch, wrong Dutch farmers. Got a lot of Dutch farmers. Um, so. Where are we going with this? I mean, uh, uh, I think we're going to Wendell Berry with this, aren't we? Come on. No, but to me, like, when we talk about this, the one that troubles me the most is my example of Magby and singing. Mm -hmm. So if I talk about what Magby is, uh, formal material efficient and final, 
as a Christian man, I put when I, I put Maggie B through the ringer on that. The formal cause is the form of a man. The material cause is the carne of Maggie. Um, the efficient cause is that God made him. He is a created being made in the image of God. And the final cause is that Maggie was created to uh, glorify God and enjoy Him forever. But the, um, but then what? Four of those are true of all people. Aren't yeah. They? So then yes. That's, but then when when but then I don't know what to do with singing Maggie. Mm-hmm. So Maggie before he could sing was still that. Magby after he can sing is still that, but you have changed. So then, do you are you? Is the definition of Magby different now that you can sing, or is the definition of Magby not different now that you can sing? I have no idea because I'm also I'm still not sure with those four definitions. How do I distinguish Magby from Donaldson? Yeah, and fair. Because all four. Well, maybe of it must be the form. The. F- Form. You can arrange beard, and I can't. The arrangement <laughs> of the material. Your material is arranged in a slightly different way than my material is arranged. Is that the only thing that different? I mean, my material people? is like chiseled. Good yeah, yours is and, superior. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> AJ's a second. And something's chiseled. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so is that the only, the only thing that's different between people is their form? That can't be true. How, where does personality go into this? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, and that and that's why I like that. The, must I mean, mater- I mean, personality must be form as well. So but, it's not just material. Caused by the arrangement, shape, or appearance of the thing changing or moving. Hmm. But that's, this is why I like the common topics as a more exhaustive way to think about things, because that gives us what are the causes and consequences, what is it like, what is it unlike, and how, and to what degree. Like, there are far more questions asked within the common topics about a thing. But this is metaphysics. Like, Aristotle's asking, the common topics are, like, practical ways to talk about th- something, but we're actually asking the question of, like, what actually is... Oh, but I think you're limiting the common topics. I think the common topics are an exhaustive way of thinking about a thing, and that means you have to consider the metaphysics of it. Like, you have to consider its point... So how does the common made. topics answer this question about what is the difference between Graham and Thomas? You would, you would immediately of, go to the question of similarity. What is it like and unlike? Why, why am I different from you, and how, and to what degree? Like, those questions giving, but, are asked. And but you're just giving me nominal definitions. You're just giving me examples. Like, you're different than Thomas because Thomas can sing and you can't sing. But that could be the difference between us, couldn't it? I mean, our, our, if our final cause is the same and our efficient cause is the same, then there are other things that are different. small examples that are different, and those things are brought out in the common topics. That was a real, sorry, I didn't think about it until you said that, though, that the differences between us are small. I mean, that, that's an interesting thing to take away that the definitions point to. We are more alike than similar. I don't know. I kind of like that. Okay. And then the next, I think we are. Mm. Yeah. And then the next thing to think about is if we thought that it was dishonoring to the hammer to not use it for its intended purposes, then how we, then the final cause of what we think about human beings is massive in how we think about how we should organize society and treat people, right? Like if people are, if the final cause is evolutionary biology survival, like the only re- thing, the only reason, the only final cause of a person is just that you keep can, on living, you can keep on living, then we would treat questions of ethics and science uh, and keeping you alive or, 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 or um, death penalty or anything. Yeah. We would treat those things very differently than if our final cause was glorify God and enjoy him forever. I'm trying to think of what, what would you think would be other popular final causes of man that aren't necessarily Christian? Uh, make money. Um, so certain career goals, um, status, fame. Um, I think many, many so wouldn't be able to say that they're like, they would say if they're a naturalist, that there is no final cause 
it is we are random happenstance mm-hmm. and if there is meaning we are making it and we are not tied to it. So each individual Whatever. person is coming up with their own final cause. Yeah. If because there is none. And the efficient cause is just sort of random accident. Yes. And uh, the material cause is you know the stuff you're made out of and the formal cause would be I guess what, what like what it what it's the same personality differences isn't it? Yeah. I mean there we, we are still different. I th- yeah, I think we'd still be different in the same way for naturalist causes versus mm-hmm. The the ancients when they talk about form has always to me been a very confusing thing. Like Plato when he talks about form. So Aristotle it, Aristotle's posited these four causes as like I think an uh a way to explain platonic form. I don't know if we want to go down that road and talk about it now, about like Plato's cave and the idea that there are these platonic ideals of a form of a thing that everything is reflecting. So the reason we call a chair a chair is because the chair is partaking in something called chairness, which exists somewhere in a more deeper reality than the reality we live in. That's kind of like a a way to summarize Plato. And people took issue with this on a lot of levels. Yeah, yeah. So, like, um, if we if we hacked off a leg of that chair and the chair was sort of laying on its side, um, and we couldn't comfortably sit on it, it is no longer partaking in the form of chair, and we would no longer rightly call it a chair. If you can sit on a rock, if the purpose, if what makes a chair a chair is it's made for the purpose of sitting, and this rock looks a lot like a chair, and you can sit in it, does that make the rock a chair, or is it still a rock? Which form does it take more part in? The other question is, like, what if a chair is made for torture, right? And you actually can't sit on it comfortably, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's for hurting people more than it is for making a comfortable place to sit. Well, is that still, like, do we still call that a chair? What about the electric chair? Well, you sit in that one, but then you die. So it's not exactly the same. I don't As know. It's like a throne. Although you sit in that one, you die sometimes, too. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so um, so the, yeah, so the, just the, um, definitely talking about form is always the um, for, has always been for me when you're talking about definition, the one that is always um, trouble is always sort of hard or squishy to understand. Like um, um, what makes a yeah a chair a chair? Is it a, is it um, um, something from the ground up? We've just called it that, or is it appealing to something? Is it appealing to some sort of chairness that we all sort of like? Sp- metaphysically tap into. Is it that um, we sit on it? Because there are some chairs that are art yeah. pieces that are clearly like have the form of a chair, but you could never actually sit on it. Comfortably right? sit on it. Or, or even comfortably. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's set up in such a way as that as soon as you sit on it, it breaks or falls over. Yeah. Well, it's still it's still a chair. It has the form it's just of not, a chair, but it doesn't have the material of a chair because are the material and the form are not married in the way that the a chair efficient is supposed cause, to be married. The, the efficient, efficient cause, cause is a, a little jerk bit different. Face. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> something something is a little bit different, and this is why. Or the final cause. You're supposed to be able to sit in it. Yeah, that's what I said. Not, the final yeah. cause is different, and so that this is why I say that. Like, this is another instance where we could ask questions and ask questions and tear and tear and tear at what makes a chair, and then nowhere. But really, we'll know what it is when we look at it. Mm-hmm. Like, we can look at something and say that's a chair. Yeah. So I mean, actually, AJ, it goes back to your where you say the the common topics are more helpful, probably because at some point, if you actually want to define things, at some point you have to take things on faith, like reality does exist and we can we can um, comfortably make definitions about things. It yeah. comes back to norms. We can normalize the world. We cannot completely systematically explain everything, but we can normalize things in terms of laws, so in terms of, of names. Like you can call things 
dogs, very reasonably call all these different kinds of species dogs. And then, but does that mean that everything is called into question if you're traveling in the jungle and you meet some sort of new species that kind of looks like a dog and you don't know if it's a dog or not? Well, no, um, the norm doesn't explain everything, but these four causes carry a lot of freight for us, a lot of sort of interpretive freight. Yeah, and I think the common topics just have more questions, which makes it easier. Like we're only asking with the the four causes, four things about it. Who made it, why'd they make it, what's it made of, and how's it look? Mm-hmm. Rather than is it like it, it only focuses on the thing rather than focusing on how that thing fits into the society, which comes from cause and effect, which looks at matters of degree, how different is it from other things of its kind? Are there any like subspecies of this? What kind of categories can we put it in? Like there are, because the common topics ask more questions, it's just a little more, more so, exhaustive. cool. I just did a podcast on something that we did a podcast on a lot better. <laughs> so, no, who did, who did, who wrote the common topics? Like where do those come from? They've just been, I think they've just kind of been floating around rhetoric, the rhetoric world. I don't know who f- I, I, formalized them. Yeah, I'm not exactly are they sure. In, are they, they in Aristotle's from? rhetoric? The, I don't know if they're in Aristotle or if they're in the Adherenium. Um, or if Cicero talks about them, yeah. Anyway. The, the only reason I ask is I wonder if these if they're four different things, um, if the common topics are for speech and definition is for clarity of thought, or I don't know, it, are there different usages for those two different tools? Because they're mm-hmm. both useful, mm-hmm. but maybe in different ways. Hmm. I really like applying that question to what was a hero. I think that's, yes. that's kind of helpful. Um, and I think that's something that like students can do when they are, when they're asked a question like, who is who is the real or who is the best person in this book or who is, man, that's a bad thesis, a bad prompt. Um, but, you know, who's the real hero or... Um, who has the least fatal problems? Yeah, who's the happiest? Yeah. Well, we, we talked about that within our seniors with great expectations. You've got, you know, Joe, who is clearly the happiest, but then the question is why? Why is he the happiest? What is he... Um, how does he conform to happiness? Because he's never used a Walmart hammer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, Joe the blacksmith has hammers passed down to him. So Thomas, are you going to look at your tools differently now? Or are you going to? I am. I, just, I thought that was really good. But I think also a lot of the, the stuff that I use and own is like cheap stuff. So like it still does not, I don't know, not, very little of what I own is elevated because of this conversation. But so it's an interesting idea. That's, it's kind of funny. Is this going to make us snots where we just purchase and buy like well, I've been thinking well-made good things that were yeah, like cre- that were crafted by good, like good artisan. Tools. We should do those things. Good Art- tools are expensive. Yeah. Cheap That's, tools are dang expensive. Mm-hmm. I've, been, I've been looking into getting a bookshelf for our house and like, you know, where do we get that bookshelf from? Do we go to board Ikea? Yeah, I was going to say, do we go to Ikea? Do we go to this like, um, the, this person that we know who like hand makes this stuff and has this really cool story for why he's doing carpentry instead of other things? Like, I don't know. It, we can be thoughtful with our purchases that have better causes than other purchases. Mm-hmm. I think it's a really helpful way to look mm-hmm. at it. Um, it, there, it sort of humanizes your objects. And yeah. there's something, not, I don't know if sanctifying is the right word, but there is something kind of like good about that. Like, right. for example, we have a table in our house that Amanda, Amanda loves commissioning artisans to make stuff because she's very super particular. She wants things a very particular way and she's a designer. So she likes to design things. But we went to this guy, we met him. He was a guy who worked in a bank and then one day decided that he hated banking and decided to quit and, and he, and be a woodworker. I've never heard any story like that before. And he made us this table (laughs) and we talked a lot about it and we commissioned him and he found this wood, uh, and, uh, made it to the specifications that Amanda wanted and delivered it to our house, and we have it. And I, th- my relationship with that table 
is so much more different than my relationship with the other table we have, which right. is something we just bought at West Elm and we just needed a table. Yeah. Um, and and, I th- and I, I, I've never thought about it in this way, but I, I think that efficient cause, I mean, the final cause is still the same. It's a table. Right. Uh, it holds stuff for me. The formal cause is kind of the same. They're both, they both conform to the form of table. The material is slightly different. One's made out of uh, metal, one's made out of wood. It doesn't matter. But the efficient cause, um, uh, the person who did it, and maybe West Elm's final cause is different. They wanted to make money. <laughs> but this guy wanted to make money too, though, right. and rightly so. But we felt better giving him money than West Elm money. But just because he got money doesn't mean his purpose in it was to make the money. Yeah. Because an artisan, you'd like to think, wants more than just the money. They want to make art. But I don't want to be too mean to West Elm, too. Maybe they actually believe in the things they're making. I just think it's I, I think it's hard as a corporation gets larger and larger. Yeah. This, Graham, before we started recording, was asking about, like, what do we think about the difference between a publicly traded company and a, and a co-op um, where it's um, owned by its employees? And I think this is part of that, of, like, the larger a company gets... And at the point you're publicly traded, you're a large company, by and large, mostly. Um, you just you, you lose the ability for one person with moral goals to affect change inside of that company. While when it's owned by its employees, they can still change. Yeah. Anyway, so um, I did not anticipate that this would talk totally about would be a uh, a podcast about oh, was, about sorry. bringing right honor to stuff. But I, I like it. I mean, if we're talking about honoring stuff, so weird example. But I just got a new gaming computer. Like it's a. It wasn't, I didn't intend to get one that was so fancy. It was this long, arduous, like, customer service process. But I ended up getting one that was pretty awesome. And I, I would almost feel as though I was dishonoring it to play something like Minecraft. Oh. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes, sure. Something like that or some little 2D scroller. Like, I, I was looking, you know, bopping around looking for things to do on it. And it just seemed like an abuse to play something that only required, like, a hundredth of its abilities, you know? But can it run Crisis? <laughs> Sorry, I think so, funny. <laughs> um, but so, uh, yeah, this topic reminds me of, of a problem or something that really struck me strongly when a man and I were first married, and that was we were talking to friends, um, a good Christian couple, and they were talking, about, they were praising how cheap and crappy all their furniture was. Yeah, and they said, we have this cheap, crappy furniture that can break. And we can throw it away and we're not attached to it and we don't have materialism and we don't necessarily care about this thing because we care about God more than we care about our possessions. And part of me thinks that that is a, a, a good way of looking at our material. That, But there was also something that troubled me that there was, there was, a, um, um, there was something sort of dishonoring to a thing right. that to say I'm – I am not worldly, I am spiritual, therefore I can treat worldly things with like contempt and disdain and look how it doesn't bother me if it bursts into flames. Yeah. Whereas well, we, well, we are earthly, we are partially earthly beings. Like. Whereas we have this rug in our apartment yeah. that was, it's from the 1940s and Amanda found it at this little um, uh, antique store and it was made in Pakistan in the 1940s and has seen more of the world than we've seen. and. I would feel like something beautiful in this world died if that rug burst into flames. And I struggle with, like, does that make me materialistic and unspiritual because I have a care for a created object? Or does that make me, like, um, am I rightly honoring the person who created that thing, created it because it was beautiful, and they in some way are creating something beautiful. In creating something beautiful, they are, like, 
mirroring God, which is what he has done in creation because um, God has created things beautiful. And so when artisans make beautiful things, we're, co- we're partaking in God's nature in a, in a strange way. I don't know. I don't really I know guess, how I answer with this. And it probably should have come up on the classical education episode, but we care about the good, the true, and the beautiful. And mm-hmm. so there's a piece of it where we're actually doing something with the beautiful by employing mm-hmm. artists, which is good. But then I'm also thinking of um, the rule of St. Benedict as you're talking, that one of the vows of the Benedictine monks is the vow of, of stability. And that's a commitment to a location. And so if all the stuff you own is cheapo, you can throw it away, you can pick up, you can move, that is the opposite to actually like um, committing to a community, committing to a location. Like Mm -hmm. you have set down roots by picking where you live and then like building that life around that location. Sure. But the rule of St. Benedict is also poverty. And we could not have purchased a beautiful rug yep. if we had taken vows of poverty as well. You're also married, so you can't be a monk. Yeah. So like there, <laughs> there are ways to adapt it without following yeah. it. Anyway, so it's just thinking about um, this four causes and the efficient and the final cause and with definition in honoring our stuff is kind of something I've never really thought about before. Anyway, that's the four causes, gents. All right, so this has been Classical Stuff You Should Know. You can always email us at uh, classicalstuff at veritasacademy.com. You can also... Oh, yeah, .net. No, no. Yes, they're both .net, .net, right? They're both .net. Uh, And then our website is classicalstuff.net, right? Yes. Yes. Why am I forgetting these? I don't know. Um, I'm worried we do it every time. Yeah, so classicalstuff.net. You can also twit at us at C-L-S-S-C-A-L. I think that's it. Stuff. 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 Is that, Oh, there's cool, a stuff cool, on the other cool stuff. Cool stuff. Cool stuff. Man, you're Man, really... I just worried. Not Are you okay? You're attention. riffing hard. I don't do any of the twitting. Um, <laughs> I don't manage the thing. Anyway, uh, apparently we've gotten nothing nothing wrong since the last episode, or at least we haven't heard about it. Yeah. So, uh, But Catherine Ball is a descendant of William the Conqueror. You yep, heard it here first. That's the most important. Yep. Still true. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we wouldn't mind uh, if you've been enjoying us a rating on iTunes that'd help us out. Uh, we don't get money from that. We just... Might re- reach a few more people that yeah. might want to hear the stuff that we have to say. Um, if you want to just also talk with like, us or like open a dialogue. soul-crushing hubris. You know, just <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's for our pride. Yeah, for our pride. Uh, so we can one-up other podcasters yes. and yep. say, oh, we have a 13 reviews. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, or if you just want to like chat with us, we always like to go back and forth over things. And we've learned a bunch from our listeners. Um, you could be one of those people. That we shout, out, shout out to Ben from Australia. Yep. Uh, so far, the furthest away listener that we've heard from. Uh, thanks for listening to us on your long commute to and from Sydney or Sydney to Sydney or I don't know. Sid- Sydney to Sydney. Um, They've got two of them down there. Um, <laughs> it's an uh, upside down place. Crikey. And um, we have an. We, what's, Are we going to lose our one? Yeah, we're going to lose our one. Yeah. I apologize. Anyway, but as a fellow, as a Canadian and a fellow member of the Commonwealth. I understand you, Ben. <laughs> Good, great. These, in a way that these gentlemen can't as Americans. We'll never get it. I don't even get Yankees in my own country, so <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. That's awesome. All right, well, this has been Classical Stuff, so I suppose we got nothing more to say, so signing off. Ciao. Thanks for listening. Bye.